0: Hello there everyone. Welcome to Digital Nomad Mastery, the podcast and the videocast where we teach you how to make money while traveling the world. And we have a very special guest today. Her name is Leslie. She's actually from the San Francisco Bay Area in California in the U.S. I'm over here in Trinidad and Tobago. Uh, we were actually supposed to do our interview last week, but I ended up uh, taking a ferry on the day we were supposed to do the interview. So I'm no longer in Trinidad. I'm in Tobago, the, t- the Tobagan side of the Trinidad and Tobago Twin Islands. Uh, and uh, we have the pleasure of interviewing Leslie about Uh, Her blog uh, and also her family travels and uh, you know some of her insights into uh, getting sponsored uh, travel etc So uh, Leslie why don't we first start off with telling us a little bit more about yourself and how you got so passionate about uh, traveling
1: Sure, thanks so much for having me um I have been a lifelong traveler. I grew up in Alabama, which is not a place where people really think of as, as breeding world travelers. But my parents were always getting on an airplane with me, do, you know, even just to Grandma's house, sometimes to Europe, things that were crazier. So they instilled a, a really deep love for travel in me and kept doing it. And then when I finally had kids eight years ago, I thought my travels were going to come to an end. You probably heard that story before, right? <laughs> Absolutely.
0: I hear it all the time.
1: So, you know, I had done all these, you know, crazy trips the year or two before we, th- we thought we were going to start a family thinking, this is the end of it. But of course it wasn't the end of it. So my family is um, on the East Coast and in the South. So, I mean, just even to go see grandma, we have to take a five or six hour plane flight. So I was doing that really early with my kids and was like, hey, this isn't that bad. I really, I really should do this. And a couple of friends of mine, most of my friends had kids later than I did. So when they, when it came time for them to travel with their children they kept sending me emails like, "How do I get on a plane with a car seat?" or, "You know, how do I do this kind of thing?" and and someone said, "Hey, you should start a blog." and and so I did. And for two years, I did it in obscurity and didn't really know people made a living at blogging. It was just a, a purely a hobby. I was a, a lawyer in my day job. Mm-hmm. So then then it suddenly took off, and I was like, "Hey, this could be a thing," and and started to do it more seriously. And uh, quit quit being a lawyer about two years ago, and am now home with the kids and blogging blogging you know a good a good amount part not full time but a good decent part time job
0: you know uh, most travel bloggers i know don't actually make a full time from their uh, full time income from the travel blog myself included i mean i have uh, my website for about 5 years daddyblogger.com and even there is still only producing a part time income i got to do my other stuff like my coaching my consulting my masterminding i have udemy courses i have a big summit and you pretty much use a blog as a branding Positioning business building uh, tool and uh, you know some there are some travel bloggers who are making full-time But it's in the very minority uh, through all these interviews. I've been doing uh, so Leslie uh, tell us about some of your family travels Firstly, uh, you know, you travel a lot uh, in the US and beyond so tell us a little bit more about some of your travels and your favorite destinations
1: well, I'm a big Disney geek, um, which I know a lot of people don't view as being real travel, but I absolutely <laughs> think it's real travel. It's it is, you know it all the logistics of of you know getting toddlers on different types of transit, all that kind of stuff. Um, but I love that. But we don't just do that. I mean, we do, you know, a lot of just travels to see family, something pretty simple, going to a beach vacation with grandparents and hanging out there for a week. Um, internationally, we've have taken my daughter to Hong Kong. Um, my husband travels quite a bit for work and so sometimes when it makes sense to tag along with him with the kids, we do that. Take advantage of the hotel room that's already been paid for or something mm. like that. Yes. <laughs> so we ended up doing Hong Kong as a result of his business uh, travels. Um, Panama about a year and a half ago, cool. Can- Cancun, Montreal, we, we, we're we eyeing eyeing Europe but probably next summer. My son's right on the cusp of being a much easier traveler. so waiting waiting one more summer might be might be wise
0: yeah it might definitely be advisor when he's older and more mature and can handle uh you know uh longer travel uh so leslie tell us about the travel blog itself uh what Mm -hmm. is it called and uh, what are the main themes and topics that you're covering on there
1: Yes, it's called Trips with Tykes, T Y K E S. Um, it's all about family travel with little ones. So babies, toddlers, elementary age kids. The kids the, the stages where the logistics of travel just can really get in the way and kind of discourage parents from even trying. You know, just the thought of like, how do I get this car seat through the airport and I need a stroller and when is my kid going to nap and those kind of things. That's what really inspired me because that's that to me, I mean each each travel stage with kids has its own challenges, you know, teenagers Mm -hmm. have the attitude, (laughs) but, but I feel like with the babies and toddlers, that's when a lot of parents are just like, no, I'm not going to do it. I'm going to wait till they're, they're old enough. And, uh, I wasn't going to wait five or six or seven years to travel again. That just wouldn't, I would not have been a happy parent if I had had to put those kind of travels on, on pause for that long.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, we feel the same way. I mean, a lot of uh, a lot of our uh, friends, uh, the naysayers, if you want to call them that, told us, you know, wait till they're older, they're not throwing the tantrums, etc. But then, uh, you know, I'm um, um, um it's kind of good to travel, uh, you know, kind of you justify it for yourself, you know, it's good for them, but it's really for you. But at the same time, uh, during the formative years, like the five years and under, they say those are the most formative years of the kids' lives. Um, that's when they actually need to travel and see the world and realize that there's a world beyond our own boundaries and our own state and our own country. So I think it's actually a really good, positive thing to travel when they're as young as possible.
1: I couldn't agree more. I mean, it's been just eye opening culturally for my kids. Um, mm-hmm. You know, my 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 daughter. I remember really well. We were walking, in we were in Hong Kong on a bus and uh, riding to Hong Kong Disneyland. And my little my little redheaded daughter was dressed up in her Belle princess gown. And there was another little girl across the way from us who was um, wearing Snow White. And she was from Shanghai. Couldn't speak a word of English. My daughter, of course, could speak not a word of of Mandarin. And uh, <laughs> the two of them decided they were best friends. I mean, immediately oh. they looked at each other and they thought, you know, you, you look like my kind of person um, dressed okay. in your bell gown and dressed in your snow white gown. And they, you know, bounded into, into Disneyland together holding hands. I mean, those kind of experiences you can't have if, you know, I couldn't have if I stayed at home in the San Francisco Bay Area. It's just, you know. It, It's just been culturally so eye-opening for her. My daughter remembers, you know, oh, riding public transit on that trip or, you know, meeting this little girl from China that she never could have met um, if she had stayed home all the time. So I I, I am totally on board with uh, what you're saying. It's been uh, hugely educational for them but also for me.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think we're kindred spirits here about the whole family travel. And, uh, you know, you mentioned the whole Hong Kong Disneyland thing. We were actually there earlier this oh. year. And, uh, yeah, we, 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 we took our kids uh, to Disneyland for the first time. We haven't taken them to California, or Florida yet, or, or uh, Tokyo or Shanghai. But we took them to Hong Kong Disneyland, and they absolutely loved it. Even though uh, a lot of the shows were actually, uh, ironically enough, in Cantonese.
1: Right, of uh, course. But,
0: yes, but, but they still <laughs> enjoyed it because they got to meet their favorite uh, show and cartoon characters in real life.
1: <laughs> no, Hong Kong Disneyland is a great starting point. It's definitely the smallest of all the all the yeah. parks. It's a, it's not going to be as overwhelming. So when you come to, to Disneyland, let me know. That's my specialty.
0: Oh, uh, there you go. Uh, you know, uh, <laughs> since you are a specialist and a Disney geek, as you called it that, a Disney mom, tell us about. Um, uh, some ways that people can maximize their Disney experience because um, you know I, I've been to pretty much every Disney resort before I had kids with the exception of Shanghai That's the only one left to go and um, it is overwhelming uh, with um, Kind of everything <laughs> everything from the shows to the food to the the amount of rides and it's very hard to do it Just in one day um, as we found out when we we're in Hong Kong Disneyland and they had a the short opening and closing time So it's very tough to squeeze it all in so tell us about uh um, some of the ways that you feel uh, parents can uh, plan well to have the best Disneyland experience or Disney World experience possible.
1: Yeah, the the, the best tip that I can offer is that it, Disney's all about planning. You know, your your experience will be enhanced the more planning and the more research you do, and that's obviously my in my wheelhouse. Just <laughs> planning for any kind of travel with little kids. Yeah. Um, the first and foremost getting there before it opens those early that first hour in the morning you know, no matter where you are hong kong disneyland or or disney world or wherever is is really when the crowds are at their lowest i get in line at disneyland in california i get mm-hmm. in line 45 minutes before the park opens so i am right there at the gates i go straight for you know i know the rides that where the wait wait times will build um there are a lot of wait time apps these days there's you know all the data, the data is there. People know when the mm-hmm. lines ebb and flow. So, you know, get a good one. I, I love, I mean, the Disneyland app is good and the Disney World app is good. I love sites like Touring Plans. Um, I love a, a computer program called RideMax. So mm-hmm. just do the research. I mean, I think that is the biggest mistake I make. I see people, I see people at Disneyland and they don't realize that Disneyland's FastPass system, which is a cut the line service that they have there, is free. Mm-hmm. Because yes. at, other theme par- at other theme parks, it costs money. So they assume, they assume, oh, it, I, I'm not going to pay for this. But mm-hmm. they're, they're missing out. I mean, that's huge, right? Mm-hmm. That's a huge part of the strategy. Yes. So, so just inform yourself. I mean, that's really the key to a good des- Disney vacation, I think.
0: And there's literally hundreds, if not thousands, of ways to inform yourself from blogs to YouTube videos to podcasts. And they're like Disney-focused podcasts and the Disney-focused YouTube channels and Disney-focused blogs. So a wealth of info online.
1: A ton. I, I I read a million of them, and I listen to a ton of podcasts, and I don't even yes. touch a fraction of them.
0: Uh, any of your favorites? I mean, uh, since we're on the topic, uh, if people wanted to uh, get them, and in, instead of them filtering out themselves, any uh, thing you want to recommend?
1: Sure. For Disneyland, that's sort of my, my specialty. I love a website called Disneyland Daily um, mm. run by a woman named Casey who's a local who's there all the time. Great sense of humor. Follow her on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Also love Disney Tourist Blog, which is written by Tom Bricker. He's a specialist really in all of the parks. He makes sure to go to all the international parks and really analyze the, the data. He's a former lawyer like I am, so maybe he just thinks like I do. Um, those are some of my favorites, um, but there's really so many. Lou Mangiello right, has a great uh, podcast, WDW Radio, um, yes. another good one.
0: Yeah, he's super famous. He's my Facebook buddy, and I always see him <laughs> posting live, live videos from uh, Disney World in Florida. Yeah. Um, so, so Leslie, uh, tell us about some of the ways you are, you are able to make money online through your blog because a lot of us bloggers who start off, and we have no idea where to start and if we're going to make money, but you're you're more established now. So tell us about some of the strategies that has worked for you.
1: Sure. Well, like I said, I blogged in obscurity for a couple of years, so I wasn't trying to make any money. You didn't really know people did make any money, so mm. that gave me a couple of years just to build up content because I think that's first and foremost what you have need to have to promote yourself is you need content. Um, yes. So that's I, I had that already to build on when it came time to make money. Um, you know, ads are a huge part of it for me. Uh, I've gotten to the point where I have enough page views where the ad money is actually pretty significant. And for a while, I was toiling away on Google AdSense, mm-hmm. but I highly recommend when you get to be big enough, page view wise, to make the switch as soon as possible to um, a more specialized blogger ad network. I use MediaVine. I know a lot of people like Ad Thrive, uh Monumentric. There are a lot of lot of them out there, but they pay so much more than AdSense. I mean, it is it is. A whole a whole other ball game. So when you get to the the page view threshold for that, I highly recommend new bloggers taking advantage. Um, you know, I do I do a, l- a little bit of affiliate marketing, obviously, because people are looking for travel gear with their babies and toddlers and things like mm-hmm. that. Um, I've also developed a pretty good um, freelancing, a um, couple of good freelancing gigs. That, you know, That's sort of one thing that's an obvious transition for a lot of bloggers. It's like, look, this is what we do. We write. So <laughs> why don't we write for a site that pays per, per article? Yes. Uh, it's just hard to find those. Sometimes those just fall in your lap randomly. But I'm always on the hunt for those you know, well-paying, well-paying sites out there. They exist. So those uh, so- are really the, the big strategies. I also, of course, do sponsored posts like any, mm. like, like most bloggers do these days.
0: So what would you say, uh, I know there is no magic number, but what would you say are the numbers to get into those ad networks you mentioned? Because, again, a lot of people start off with Google AdSense and it pays like pennies on the view, um, really, or pennies on the multi-thousand view multi of view. So uh, tell us about what are the rough numbers you should be aiming for in terms of monthly views or unique visitors.
1: Sure. I know Mediavine requires 25,000 monthly sessions um, from Google Analytics to get into their network. Ad Thrive is i think 100,000 page views i think that's about They're they're a little harder but you know a lot of, a lot of you know you, it's hard to get to that point but you know I, I know a lot of bloggers after a year or so are are, are already at that point to be able to get into mediavine something like that but um, i'm trying to think of some other ones but that's that's sort of the lowest level that i know of that is not sort of adsense
0: Awesome. And uh, besides your own blog, you also write for um, uh, several other publications, so tell us more about how. uh, what are the sites you're writing for besides your own.
1: Sure. I've been with um, another site called Mm TravelingMom.com for about three years. It's a network of 90 family travel writers and we all Mm -hmm. have sort of our niche. Um, Mm -hmm. So I've been with them for a long time. I'm frequent flyer Traveling Mom (laughs) Mm -hmm. since I fly so much with my kids. and. Been writing for them for a while. I also write for DisneyBaby.com, which is okay. one of the Babel owned blogs that Disney has under their umbrella. Since writing about taking little ones to Disney parks, I write for uh, MommyNearest.com, which is a kids activities app that also has a site. So I'm writing about you know local activities in the San Francisco Bay Area um, that are of interest of you know to both to both locals as well as travelers. So those are the three major ones. You know, I've certainly written my share of guest posts over, over the years, but those are the three ma- major ones these days. Awesome.
0: And uh, you've probably made a lot of mistakes in your blogging journey, as I have and most of us have. Uh, what tips or advice would you give to someone who's maybe just starting out? They're aspiring or a new uh, blogger or a travel blogger?
1: Yes, I've made many, many mistakes. <laughs> first, first and foremost, I mean, I was – I didn't even buy a domain when I started blogging. I was like, right. "Oh, what do I need this you know twelve dollar domain for?" I'm just doing this as a joke. I, right. I think it's worthwhile to invest money, even if you're not sure you're going to make this uh, you know a huge money making venture in your life. It's worthwhile to invest just a little bit of cash to just have the basics in place. Um, and you know, for me, you know, that right. was I didn't even get a domain, but even just ho- hosting is so cheap these days. Get you know, get yourself right. self self hosted. I was on. You know, WordPress.com for a while. So I wasn't even self hosted. So invest a little bit so that your website is your own. Um, You know, I I think also the same goes for e courses. I didn't want to pay, you know, even $50 for an e course in Mm -hmm. my early days. And now I look back on, you know, one that I took er a long time ago about Pinterest that I think was $69 at the time. Mm. And seeing the daily traffic that I get from Pinterest now, I mean, I would pay that so many times over. If I had just, you know, done that six months earlier or something, it would have been, you know, a huge difference in my my growth. So, you know, don't be afraid to invest a little money. I know it's hard when you're a small business that you don't, you know, you're not, you're not, you have no money to invest, but it's worth it. Invest in yourself.
0: Yeah, it's a tricky conundrum because, uh, you know, it takes money to make money, but when you're starting, you don't have money, so you almost have to just bite the bullet, and it might just be a couple hundred. I mean, it's not thousands of dollars to start a blog. It is literally in the, you know, maybe the $100, $200 range uh, to obviously have a good domain name hosting, and, uh, you know, it's really good to have a a quality website because uh, you could throw one together yourself, but might as well just pay a couple hundred uh, um, to get a a professionally done one.
1: Yeah, I totally agree. It's... It's nice to have experts because the one thing that bloggers have to be is a jack of all trades. But yeah. the reality is, you're never going to be that, you know. And when you get bigger, you'll outsource certain things, um, and uh, you know. And sometimes you have to do that to even get started because if you're not, if you, if you haven't built a website before, <laughs> it's a trap for the unwary.
0: Absolutely. Uh, so you mentioned uh, Pinterest traffic, and uh, you know uh, that is a great uh, tool. I know I don't use it enough. Uh, I think just because I'm a dad blogger, and there are not many dads hanging around on Pinterest uh, that I know of. Uh, so tell us about how you use Pinterest effectively uh, to drive traffic back to your site.
1: Sure. Pinterest is sort of my expertise behind mm. you know Google traffic. Uh, it's my, my next most powerful referrer, much, much further ahead than the other social media channels like Facebook or Twitter. Um, Pinterest, you know, I, it's all about making good images, making things that people want to click. Um, mm. So that's, you know, I'm writing things. I'm trying to think about some of my top pins these days. Uh, I think I have one about six tips for changing diapers on a plane. People, <laughs> you know, people when people see that they think, wait a second, <laughs> how am I going to change that diaper when I take my baby on the airplane? Things like yes. that are are uh, super. You know, Pinterest is about helping other people make their lives easier, their lives better. That's why things like recipes do well on Pinterest. Um, you know, I want to take something that you know and bring it into my life and make it better. And tr- travel is a lot. There's a lot about that. You know, how do I do this? What's what are the best things to do in this destination? Um, you know, give me some tips. Give me a packing list. Uh, those kind of things. So, you know, Pinterest drives a pretty it's about 30 percent of my traffic to my blog now. So it's quite significant. But it takes some time. I use a scheduler. Uh, I use Tailwind. Um, is the scheduler that I use to make sure I'm pinning constantly. It takes like in, like Facebook. You have to be active. You have to be engaged to get the traffic and to see the results out of it. But I also love that Pinterest is kind of a great equalizer. Even if you don't have a ton of followers, you can have a pin go viral. You know, if you if you create a good set of keywords for your pin, um, good description. People can find you there, even if you aren't a huge blogger. So it's a great platform for people who are just getting started, who maybe you know don't have a huge Facebook following, um, are still working on the SEO part of their blog, that kind of thing.
0: Um, so Leslie, uh, if people mm-hmm. wanted to find out more about your blog and you know ask you advice about traffic generation, monetization, how can they do that?
1: Sure. I am available. My site is tripswithtykes.com, T-Y-K-E-S, and I am at tripswithtykes on pretty much every social media platform, Twitter, Facebook, Pinterest, Instagram. <laughs> so you can find me there. Um, but yeah, I'm always happy to to talk to, to bloggers and share my experience because uh, we're all in this together. The pie is big enough for all of us, right?
0: absolutely there's a whole world of people waiting to travel and they just don't know where to start so thanks for your time today uh you know i wish you well in your travel journey ahead and i look forward to connecting again uh and uh you know if everyone's uh, for the people listening and watching make sure you check out uh, leslie's site uh follow her on social media and uh you know uh, get inspired to travel like she has
1: thank you so much for having me
0: and uh make sure you subscribe and um you know uh uh, subscribe, leave us a rating review on iTunes, on YouTube, on social media. Really helps us as well. So we're Digital Nomad Mastery across the board. Uh, we'll catch you soon, and happy travels, everybody.